0: Author Media presents Novel Marketing, the longest-running book marketing podcast in the world. This is the show for writers who want to build their platform, sell more books, and change the world with writing worth talking about. I'm your host, Thomas Umstead, Jr., and today we are going to talk about guesting on podcasts. This is Podcasts Week, and this is a very important topic. In fact, I was doing some research earlier this week, and I was curious how many best-selling authors guest on podcasts. And so my wife and I went down the list of USA Today best-selling authors. We went down 50, the top 50 best-selling authors, and we looked them up to see if we could find a guest interview, uh, either on iTunes or on PodChaser. And we found that 90% of the top USA Today authors guest on podcast. Uh, and this includes the children's authors, the nonfiction authors, and the fiction authors. Everybody was guesting on podcasts with a handful of exceptions. And I will say, the biggest category of authors who don't guest on podcasts are authors who have died. Because <laughs> They wrote classics a long time ago and they are no longer with us to guest on podcasts. And so of the living authors, Pretty much all of them, almost all of them, guest on podcasts. Why? Why is this like the technique of best-selling authors? Well, as we talked about last week, podcast listeners read books. It is a target-rich environment. Um, Podcast listeners, according to uh, the research that I've seen from Edison Research, uh, they're better educated, they're 50% more likely to have a college education, they make more money, and they are more socially connected. These are the influential, wealthy, educated people who won't complain that your book is $4.99 instead of $3.99. As an author, these are the people you want to reach. There's a huge amount of competition right now for the kind of reader who decides what book to buy because of ads that uh, he or she sees on Amazon or on Facebook. Very intense competition. And you can make money reaching that reader. But that is not every kind of reader. Not every reader decides what book to buy because they saw a Facebook ad. There are a lot of readers out there that decide what book to buy based off of the podcasts that they listen to. This is how I pick books to read more often than not. I I listen to a lot of podcasts, and if I hear a podcast feature an author uh, that I really am interested in, sometimes before the podcast is even over, I am there on my phone buying that book on Audible. So that's where I like to, to listen to my books is on Audible. And so this is a really powerful marketing technique and potentially a lot less expensive than buying hundreds of dollars of ads every month. Uh, you don't have to spend a fortune uh, to guest on podcasts. And, and another thing I want to say is that this is not a fad. Podcasting uh, started back in 2004, give or take a few years. There's a little bit of debate as to when podcasting officially started. Uh, and it's had slow and steady growth for the last 15 years. So 1% to 3% market share growth year over year. Uh, whole social networks have had their beginning, their are crescendo and their collapse all in the time that podcasting has been slowly step-by-step Growing, Uh, not just for nonfiction, but also for fiction. And you know, a lot of people are like, oh, there's this new trend of novelists reading their book on podcasts. And I'm like, that's not a new trend. I saw authors doing that 10 years ago, uh, very famously and very successfully. In fact, authors have been using podcasts and podcasting their stories to get onto the New York Times bestseller list for 10 years. Like this is not a new technique. And I feel a little bad that we haven't talked more about this on uh this show and recently we did a bunch of episodes on it early in fact some of our very first episodes back in 2013 were about podcasting and how to be a guest on podcasting and we just kept sending people links to those old episodes and uh, i no longer recommend all the things i recommended back then because i've learned a lot in the last five years when it comes uh, to podcasting Uh, specifically i recommended gear microphones that at the time were good, but now there are much better microphones that are cheaper and better. Than the microphones I recommended back then. In fact, I have uh, some recommendations for you, and I'll uh, put them in the show notes you can get for free at authormedia.com forward slash gear. I have a five page podcast gear guide that i put together that has all different price points what's the best microphones to get what's the best headphones to get and um, these are all or almost without exception all pieces of gear that i personally own and personally tested Uh, so and i've tested lots of different microphones over the years and uh, i finally found some that i can recommend uh, wholeheartedly that i that i really like um, so now, when it comes to using a podcast to promote your writing there's a couple of different ways to do it. You can host your own podcast, which is really nice for going really deep with a small, passionate audience. Uh, so people listen to a, subscribe to a podcast, listen to the same host over and over again it 's not great though, for getting the word out about your books. let's say you have a thousand true fans who listen to your podcast. That's enough to be a very happy podcaster. But after those thousand people buy your book, how then do you sell books? Well, that is where guesting comes in. The advantage of guesting on other people's podcasts is that each podcast has a new audience. And while there may be some overlap, that overlap is good, right? If somebody has heard you on two or three podcasts, you know, maybe they weren't convinced to buy your book on the second podcast, but once they heard you on the third podcast they subscribe to, it's like, oh my gosh, everyone's talking about this book. I have to check it out. Uh, another advantage of guesting is that it's a high credibility way of reaching uh, these audiences, because that podcast host has spent months or years building up trust, building up reputation with an audience. They're granting that credibility to you, their guests. They're letting you borrow it. That's why we're very particular with the guests we bring on this show, because we know um, what a big deal it is to come on the Novel Marketing Podcast, and we don't want to just let anybody on the show, um, especially if if, um, they're going to be giving bad advice, right? Because you're expecting to hear good advice, hopefully, on the Novel Marketing Podcast. And so we're really careful about that. But when you are a guest, you get that credibility, which is really great. So it's an honor that you need to take seriously and you need to um, treat that opportunity with the respect that it deserves. Another advantage of guesting is that it helps you reach influencers you couldn't reach any other way. Think about the CEO that might select your book as the book they give all 100 employees for Christmas, right? She has somebody who checks her email, she has somebody who answers her phone. But if you're on a podcast that she listens to, she may have your voice in her head for 30 minutes on her way to work. (laughs) And then, you know, what does she tell her uh, assistant to go buy for all the employees? uh, Christmas presents, your book, right? That's Um, A very powerful way to reach that person and in some cases, the only way to reach that person and not just CEOs, but a lot of influential people, right? Celebrity pastors, celebrities in general, right? The kinds of people who have gatekeepers to protect them from uh, pitches do listen to podcasts. This is your opportunity to reach those influential people. Um, and it's also a chance to reach readers that you can't reach any other way. So not just influencers you can't reach any other way, but also readers you can't reach any other way. There's a lot of readers who don't do social media, right? They don't spend a lot of time on social media. Or they, when they do, they don't do it in ways where they encounter ads a lot. Uh, and like I, for instance, uh, mostly do Facebook groups when I'm on Facebook. Right, I interact with the listeners on the Novel Marketing Podcast Facebook group, and that's about it. I don't try not to do a lot other than groups, and groups don't have as many ads as like the main newsfeed. So I just don't see very many ads in. I I tend to be banner blind to Facebook ads. I don't notice them when I do see them. So if you wanted to reach me with advertising, Facebook ads wouldn't reach me. Facebook ads reach other people. I'm not saying Facebook ads don't work, but I'm saying that there's a certain kind of person that will respond better to hearing about you in a podcast or a radio show than they will about seeing your ad. And so uh, if you don't have some sort of podcasting strategy, you're missing out on those potential readers. And there's no amount of money that you can spend on advertising that can win them if they're not on the places that you're advertising, right? There are readers who aren't on Facebook and don't buy books on Amazon, but they would love to read your book. They may be willing to pay uh, for the paper copy, uh, but they would only find out about your book on podcasts. So now to be fair to the the Novel Marketing Podcast, it's not like we've done nothing. We did launch the podcast host directory and we made it uh, free to all of our $5 and up Patrons. And it's been fun getting feedback of people uh, using the podcast host directory because it's a really powerful tool uh, because it has so much information. A hundred thousand podcasts, over a hundred thousand podcasts are in it in their information. But if you haven't, if you don't know what to do with it, right, if you're not trained on how to use it, it's a powerful tool that you don't know how to use. It's like a new kitchen gadget. It's like when my wife and I got, we got an Instapot for Christmas. It was a gift that we gave each other. Got it on a Black Friday deal and we brought it home and we just stared at it for like a month and a half. We were afraid to use it because it had all these buttons and knobs and we are vaguely aware that pressure cookers can explode, right? For some people, that's what the podcast host directory is. So like, this is really powerful, but it's also really simple. I don't know how to use it because in some senses, it's just a search box. If you don't know what to type into the search box, you're not going to know what to get. So this is why I'm excited to announce that we're launching a brand new course. It's the perfect companion to the podcast host directory. And it is titled How to Get Booked as a Podcast Guest. And uh, what I'd like to do is kind of give you a TLDR of the whole course. So we're just going to summarize the whole thing. And So if you don't take the course, uh, stick around. We're going to give you the Cliff Notes version of the whole course right now. So, the first section is the introduction. This is where we give the big picture over the whole course. You know, I like to give lots of big picture. And we talk about why podcast hosts want guests. Uh, For many of them, it's because no guest means no show, right? A lot of um, podcasts only work if they can find good guests. In fact, I um, know podcasts. In fact, uh, Mary on our last episode talked about how she brought her show to an end because she had so much trouble finding good guests. It wasn't because she didn't have listeners, she had lots of listeners. But finding good guests was such a project for her that it was easier to just bring the show to an end. So podcast hosts are desperate for guests. They want you to reach out to them if you know how to do it. And uh, I will say it's a lot more work to put together a solo show. Like this one than it is to put together an interview show. I, I do a lot of work preparing these solo shows and so I like having guests and, and I'm kind of torn because I'm really picky when it comes to bringing on guests uh, but it's also less work for me when I bring on a guest because you know, then I, I you know they're doing half the talking and so I don't have to prepare quite as much I often just have to prepare some really good questions. Uh, so we we talk about that and kind of explain the the big picture around it. And we also talk about why podcast hosts turn down guests, and this isn't just based off of my experience hosting. Half a dozen different podcasts and also hosting a radio show and being a guest on radio shows. not just based off of that. And I've gotten a lot of pitches for a lot of different shows from a lot of different people and PR agencies. But it's also based off of some research that I did talking with podcasters or inter, um, surveying them around the country and asking them why do they turn down guests. And I can tell you a couple of the reasons right here. And the number one is poor topic audience fit. So uh, if you have to fit that podcast and you have to fit that audience. And the key is to explain when you're reaching out to the podcast host why you are a fit for their audience specifically. The temptation is to just copy and paste the same pitch and send it to all of the podcasts. And that doesn't work and i get those copy and pasted pitches and they don't work (laughs) and it's why there's no csv export in the podcast host directory people are like i want to be able to type in my topic i write romance books i want to type in the word romance and i would download a csv of all of the romance podcasts so i can blast them all and email i'm like that's not going to work for you i don't want to help you do something that's not going to work Uh, what does work is explain doing the research yourself to understand the show and then explain why you are a fit for the show. And it may mean tweaking your topic a little bit, right? Instead of giving the same interview on every show, you explain how your topic is a specifically a good fit for their reader, right? Maybe they're a YA romance show. And so you would maybe adapt what you're going to say for that YA audience, maybe different from the audience you normally talk about. Uh, The next section is how to become a more attractive guest. Uh, These are uh, kind of a list of things that I look for when I'm booking guests on this show or, or on my radio show, things that just help you be the kind of guest that hosts want to reach out to. And I will say from personal experience, if you do these things hosts will reach out to you. So a lot of my podcast interviews uh, come because somebody asked me to be on their show. So this goes both ways, right? It's not just a matter of pitching, where when you pitch like, oh my gosh, I'd love to have you on your show, right? I've had people pitch me and I just responded back with a Calendly link. I'm like, book a time. I'd love to have you. Uh, And the vast majority, I don't do that. But, um, you know, learning how to be a more attractive guest is really key. And I will say one thing for me that's really important and for a lot of podcasts is to have good audio. So you can't just talk into your computer's microphone or your webcam's microphone anymore. That may have flown in 2012, but it doesn't fly in 2019. Uh, You need to have a good microphone. uh, You need to have a good uh, set of headphones. Uh, I recommend the Samsung uh, Q2U uh, microphone. But again, if you go to authormedia.com forward slash gear, I I have the exact model numbers of the gear that I recommend and and affiliate links. You can get that for free. I also have a link to it in the show notes. Uh, but, uh, But really, any kind of microphone that you plug into your computer... Uh, that's not a headset, that's a standalone microphone, is better than nothing. And, it re- and if you know good microphone technique about getting close to the microphone and not being far away. And In fact, I can demonstrate this. The most common mistake is to be far away. So I'm gonna step away from the microphone. So here I am. All I've done is I've taken a step or two back from the microphone and you can hear that audio difference. Uh, often you'll get much better microphone or much better sound out of the microphone that you're talking into just by getting closer. When I interview men, uh, sometimes I'm like, let your beard whiskers scratch the edge of the microphone, and then you'll get your best sound. Uh, uh, It's almost impossible to get too uh, close if you're using good technique, so you don't want to talk straight into the microphone. I I realize it's a little hard to demonstrate this on an audio-only medium, but uh, that's one tip is to have a good microphone and get close enough to it where you get good audio. All right, so the second section. So at first, that was the kind of introduction overview section. The second section is all about pitching podcasts. We talk about where to find podcasts to pitch. And I kind of break down a step-by-step process on how to do this methodically. It's really easy to just type in some... Uh, So like romance, you type in romance, you see the list of shows that are romance. You're like, well, that's all there is. Like, no, there's a lot more podcasts that you could pitch. You just need to think about it a little more creatively. And the key here is to think about where your readers are and what your readers are interested in. And then you want to find ways on getting on the kinds of podcasts that they're listening to. Because it doesn't have to be a podcast about fiction, right? If you write Amish, uh, chances are a lot of your readers are homeschool moms, right? The Homeschool moms are big reader base in the Amish fiction space. And so pitching homes, homeschool- there's a ton of homeschooling podcasts, right? So you reach out to those podcasts and you find ways of connecting your fiction with, you know, some topic that's related to homeschooling. And it could be something as simple as how to teach your children literature or how to teach your children how to write, right? Like, it it doesn't have to be that far away from what you do. Now, the next section is uh, about how to track your pitches, So this is kind of a technical session, but it's also a really important session. And this is what separates kind of the amateurs from the professionals is having a system to track uh, the pitches, right? So I pitched these 12 podcasts, six of them got back to me, six of them didn't, you know, need to follow up with these six that didn't get back to me in two weeks. And the six that got back to me, these are the ones that have questions you're able to track. If you're not careful, you can get drowned in emails and details will slip through the cracks. But if you use a system, that won't happen or be less likely to happen. Uh, So I present two different systems. One uses a spreadsheet, and in the course, there's a template that you can download, it's an Excel template. Uh, but you can also put it in Google Sheets if that's what you use uh, that you know, is pre-made. So it's just fill in the blanks. But if spreadsheets stress you out, and I know a lot of authors would rather do anything than use a spreadsheet. There's also a web app called Trello. And I have a video tutorial that shows you exactly how to use that. And it's pretty. It's got colors and graphics. You can put photographs. Uh, and you can track your presentations in that just as well as you can on a spreadsheet. So there's some some differences, but they both work. And the key is to have some kind of system that you use. Uh, The next section of the course is how to contact uh, podcast hosts, which, spoiler alert, the podcast host directory is a key way uh, to do that. For those of you who are listening, um, I know many of you already have access to the podcast host directory, so that's the easiest way to do it because it just gives you their email address. But I also talk about other ways of getting in touch. With podcasters, uh, podcast hosts, and when to use which way. Um, so, just quickly to rattle them off: uh, if they have a website, sometimes they'll have a contact form on their website. There's ways to do it on Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, etc. The next section, how to pitch podcasts, is probably the most popular session. <laughs> it's the one I'm anticipating being the most powerful because this is for many authors the scariest part: the actual sending of the email. What do you put in the email? How do you present yourself? in such a way where they want to book you. And so I don't just teach you how to do it. I also provide an example email and an email template that's got fill in the blanks, where I don't just say have line worth the blank. I like tell you what to type in that blank. It makes it very, very easy. So you just copy and paste that, you fill in the blanks, you customize it and you send it and it's a very powerful um, pitch. Uh, but I also explain kind of other ways of, of pitching, and it's a, it, I give you the big picture, and then I give you the specific implementation. Uh, but a couple of tips from there. Again, this is the overview. So this is the TLDR Cliff Notes. Um, the first tip is to listen to the podcast before sending your pitch. That is a huge tip. If you just do that, you're going to be doing a better job with your pitches than 95% of the pitches that I get as a podcast host. And you don't have to buy the course to do this. Just do that one thing. Listen to the podcast first. I have a maybe 80% success rate on when I pitch podcasts to have me on um, as a guest In fact, I'm having a hard time thinking of a podcast that didn't have me on that I pitched uh, directly. And part of it is because I listened to the podcast first uh, and I'm able to tailor the pitch. In fact, I I pitched one podcast and he was in between seasons. And uh, so not doing episodes. And he liked my pitch so much, he brought me on and interrupted his regularly scheduled programming uh, to do that interview. And so we were like an in-between season bonus episode. Uh, he liked the pitch uh, so much. So everything I've learned over the last 10 years of podcasting and in radio, I put into this session on how to do it well. Uh, because remember, they want you. Podcast hosts want you. You just have to pitch them the right way. And part of that is crafting good episode titles. And, and this started off being a part of the How to Pitch podcast session, but it just grew out of hand. And I was like, this episode, the session's too long. I don't wanna overwhelm people. So I broke it off. It's a separate session, it's just the next one in the course. Uh, and it's about crafting irresistible episode titles. And this just gives the host a second thing to say yes to. So you, you give yourself something to say yes to, but also you pitch some really good episode titles. And these just help. And the hosts won't feel obligated to pick these titles. But sometimes somebody will pitch me, and I won't go with any of the titles that they'll send me, but I'll still have them on as a guest. Uh, but other times, I'm like, I don't know about you, but I really like that topic. I really like that title. And that's what gives them the edge, and that's what causes me to bring them on. The show, so we talk about that. There's a methodological approach (laughs) to crafting good episode titles, and I'll give you the key right here. And that is, a good title does not describe what's in the episode. A good title incites curiosity about what's inside the episode. That minor difference, description versus curiosity inciting, seems so small, and yet it is so powerful. Curiosity is a powerful motivation. And if you can make people curious, it will motivate them to take action, both the listener and the host. So you want to find ways in your title of making people curious. All right. So that was section two, pitching. And section three is, I I just called it performing, uh, but it is the current name for the section. Maybe a better name for it is media training, because this is basically the kind of media training that you would go through Uh, if you're going through formal media training. And I've been through forms of formal media training with my political work, like politicians are trained to deal with the media. Uh, A lot of what they're trained to do is how to avoid answering questions you don't want to answer. And I know a lot about that. That's not what I teach here, though, because um, podcast interviews are typically friendly interviews. So this isn't like how to handle a hostile CNN interview, although I might add that uh, if that's something that people in the course are curious to know. In my mind, though, that's not that useful for an author, right? We're not in combative interviews. I don't see authors do combative interviews typically. Um, But that that could be fun. Um, Let me know in the comments if you want me to add a session on that. Um, you know how to handle a hostile interview because I've been in hostile interviews. I've been interviewed by people who disagreed with me, and I've been in podcast interviews that were debates where it was me and another guy who disagreed with me. And I've I've been through a lot of training on, on how to handle that. But anyway, what we talk about is how the first uh, session in this is how to prepare for podcast interviews. And this is uh, another one of the printables that comes with the course is a pre flight checklist of all the things to do to make sure that you're ready for an interview. If you're suitably prepared, your nerves are going to be way lower. You're going to just feel comfortable going into that interview. And we walk through exactly how to do that preparation, what to do in that preparation so that when the host hits record, you are ready. And that is a great feeling, I will say, to feel ready for an interview. Uh, I know preparation's not very exciting, right? You just want to jump into the interview, but it's very powerful. Uh, not just for podcast interviews, but for lots of things of life. Uh, The next session is about how to nail the podcast interview uh, itself, and I'll give you one tip right here, and that is don't say, "Uh uh-huh, while the host is talking. (laughs) This is a a classic mistake, and it's an easy one to make because uh, when we talk in real life, somebody's saying something, you're like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, and you're um, doing it in a way that communicates to them that you're engaged, that you're tracking, uh, that you're paying attention. The problem, though, on a podcast is that people often listen with headphones and that, uh uh-huh, breaking in is very disruptive for the listener. And I'll say on this show, we often edit it out. Uh We record in a way where we have uh, two tracks. So there's my audio and then there's the audio of whoever I'm talking to and not everything that is said ends up in the final recording. We spend a lot of time uh, cleaning it up, but not all podcasts do that, and not all podcasts can do it, because it's almost impossible to do that when it's a live interview, because some of the audio is still captured in the other microphone, again, depending on how the setup is done. So we talk about a lot of different things that help you do a good job on the interview, and this is important because if you do a good job on the interview itself, they'll invite you back. And this was exactly my experience with radio. So when I started doing radio, they brought me in as an occasional guest. They bring me in as the technology guy. And then they brought me in one time to talk about millennials, which I was just kind of rolling my eyes because millennials hate being talked about in a group because um, we're all different, right? The Millennials are different. But whatever, I was happy to get an opportunity to go on radio. And they liked my guest interview so much that they created a recurring segment. So every Wednesday I would get on and defend my generation from the attacks of the listeners of the radio show, the talk radio show, and the host. Uh, there wasn't always attacks, but often debunking myths about uh, millennials because the media totally messes up their portrayal of, of millennials. Um, you know, the reason why millennials don't work their way through college is because college is like 50 times more expensive. <laughs> you know, college isn't $50 or $500 a semester. It's, you know, $10,000 a semester or $20,000 a semester now. Uh, and you can't work a minimum wage job and make that kind of money. So it's impossible to work your way through college, uh, depending on what college you're going to. So anyway, not getting off on millennials, but that's just one of the common myths. <laughs> it's like yeah, college has changed in price uh, more than anything else. I think even more than healthcare, it's, uh, the price has just gone almost straight up. Um, so anyway, I, I did these interviews every week on millennials, and then after a while, the host like wanted to go on vacation, and I started being one of the people that was the guest host, and, and they would invite me to host the whole show for a day. And then or and then the host would come back the next day, he'd get back from vacation. And then eventually, um, I was given that whole ra- – the host left, and he went on to do the next thing, and they asked me if I wanted to host the show. So it started with a guest interview that turned into a recurring guest interview that ultimately led to my own drive-time talk radio show, where I could say whatever I wanted about millennials, take that, baby boomers. Anyway, that's, that's, I didn't actually talk. I was done with that topic. We we talked to other things on the show. We didn't actually talk about millennials hardly at all. We actually talked about hurricanes quite a bit. It was uh, right as Hurricane Harvey was hitting Houston. So I had, for a week, wall-to-wall hurricane coverage. Uh, helping, I got to be the guy, like... Telling people how to prepare for hurricanes and doing uh, weather. And anyway, it was, it was a lot of fun. It was a great learning experience. Uh, anyway, so all of that to say, there's a whole session on how to prepare, uh, how to nail those podcast interviews. And then we also talk about mistakes to avoid. Again, it's like a almost like a part two. So We don't just tell you what to do, but also what to avoid. And then post microphone protocol, or sorry, professional microphone protocol. So how to talk into a microphone correctly, where you don't get lots of pops and uh, unnecessary lip, lip sounds uh, where you're, you sound professional. And what was fun about this session is it's one of the first time I made my own stock photos. My wife posed as a model demonstrating various microphone techniques. And I also demonstrated on camera uh, kind of ha- where to hold the microphone, how to talk into the microphone. Uh, these are things that no one told me <laughs> in their early days. Uh, but one tip is to talk past the microphone. So uh, the temptation is to talk straight into the microphone. So I'm talking straight into the microphone right now. Notice I'm quite a bit louder. And this microphone I'm using is very expensive, but you'll probably hear some pops, um, even though they're supposed to be filtered out. But talking straight into the microphone, you'll still get them. So you don't want the microphone to get your wind and your spit. That doesn't make for good audio. You want it to get the sound waves. And sound waves radiate out from your mouth. So you actually want the microphone kind of pointed at the corner of your mouth. So your wind goes past the microphone rather than into the microphone. And you also want to talk at full voice. And this is something that took me a lot of time to learn. And it's one of the things I learned actually being a guest on the radio show, um, watching the host do this, talking at full voice in a small radio studio, right? The temptation is you're in a closet or you're in a studio and you want to talk really quietly, kind of into the microphone and that is good if you're trying to put people to sleep (laughs) it's not good if you're trying to keep people awake on their drive home or drive to work in the mornings when you really got to be high energy so anyway we demonstrate uh, what to do what not to do in microphone technique and then finally we go into post interview protocol and this is a a protocol uh, that i've developed that's specifically designed to increase the likelihood that you get invited back and because what you can do as a podcast guest is eventually you get a whole collection of podcasts, maybe a, a dozen or two dozen podcasts who know you and like you and want to have you back. And every time you launch a new book, you just shoot them an email. They've already had you on. And they're like, oh, yeah, we loved you last time. We'd love to have you on again. And and if you follow this post-interview protocol, you're going to be much more likely uh, to be invited back. Uh, so that is the core of the course. Um... There's a bunch of bonuses like how to create a press kit and tools to make your life easier and I'm continuing to add uh, bonuses to the course and I might add that how to handle a hostile interviewer session. I'm kind of intrigued by this now. I'll probably put it in the bonuses though because it's definitely optional. Uh, so anyway, let's let's talk a little bit about uh, the course when it comes to, uh, you you know, you could hire a PR firm, like Mary was working with a PR firm. I don't know how much her publisher was paying that PR firm, but my guess was somewhere between $3,000 and $10,000 uh, was what the um, publisher was paying to give her that PR support. Uh, if you're indie published, the idea of spending $5,000 on a PR firm or $3,000 on a PR firm is probably outside of your budget. And honestly... You don't need it, right? We were talking with Mary. She was the one who was doing a lot of the work. She was using the podcast host directory and the other principles we were talking about in the course to reach out or to find the podcasters. And all the PR firm was doing was sending the email, uh, which, you know, they're getting paid very well to send that email. Um so you don't have to spend the $3,000. And when I was trying to figure out what to price the course, I was talking to my mastermind group, and they were recommending prices somewhere in the $1,000 to $300 range. as so we talked more about it, they kind of settled on $500 being the, the sweet spot for a course like this, since it does allow you to add this entire arm to your uh, marketing portfolio. Uh, but what I've d- decided to do is to price the course at $250 or $249 uh, initially. I, I may go to that $500 price, Especially as testimonials uh, come in, we've already started to get some, but I feel like as the, the course has more of a reputation, it, it um, will can command a higher price. Uh, but I know a lot of you are like, yeah, but what's the patron's price? I'm a patron of the Novel Marketing Pod- Podcast. Will I save 50%? And the answer is yes you'll save 50% long-term, but for the month of October, you'll save 80%. So we have a special kind of launch price. I'm I'm trying to encourage people to take the course sooner again, so I can get those uh, testimonials so I could potentially uh, raise the price down the road. So if you're a patron at any level, it's $49 uh, for patrons uh, for the month of October. But if you're a patron at the $5 level, you also get the podcast host directory. And these are designed to work together. The podcast host directory is the tool. The course kind of shows you how best to use the tool. And I should say, um, we only have, uh, when, as I'm recording this, 31 slots left at the $5 level of Patreon. Um, I, like, I, And I've been saying this since... Shouldn't be a surprise. Um, once those are gone, they're gone. You know, if somebody drops out, you can jump in, but th- that's, it's going to be locked there. Uh, I'm going to make a more expensive version of this. What I might do in the meantime, I'm, I'm thinking about creating a $10 level, a uh, patron level that will come with a few extra bells and whistles so it will come with the podcast host directory, maybe a, a list of all the patrons at that level or above in each show notes or something like that. You can let me know if, what you would want in a $10 level, especially $5 patrons who would want to upgrade to a $10 level. Uh, But if you want to get the $5 level while it's still available, there's 31 slots currently left. And anyway, um, my hope is is that this helps you do the sort of marketing that most authors are not doing. So while guesting on podcasts, it's very popular with bestselling authors. A lot of indie authors and a lot of kind of mid-list authors don't see this as a strategy because they don't have a publisher who's spending $10,000 to give them a PR firm, and they don't know how to do it themselves. And so my hope is, is that this course, or maybe just this episode, right? You've learned enough in this episode. You're like, I don't need the course. I can do this on my own. You can start reaching out to podcasts and, and getting on as a guest and getting the word out. About your book, I think this is a really powerful uh, technique, and I, I want to hear how it's going. So I've already heard back. Uh, you know, one lady got back to me. She's like, "I just did a guest interview, and the host was amazed at how good the quality was." And she wanted to know what microphone I was using. I, was, I told her I was using the only one you recommended in your course, which made me. It made me feel, it, it warmed the cockles of my heart. It made me good. Uh, feel good to hear that. Uh, but anyway, I hope this has uh, been helpful to you, and I do want to especially thank all of the patrons uh, who help keep this show on the air. Um, I really am thankful to all of you, which is why I try to give you the best discounts on all of the things uh, that I make. Now, so, uh, speaking of patrons, our p- patron, featured patron today is Lauren Lynch. She's the author of the Time Drifter series. Uh, it's a, a series that explores ancient civilizations from a Christian worldview in the historical fantasy uh, setting, uh, which I find historical fantasy to be a very fun genre. So anyway, thank you, Lauren Lynch, uh, for your patronage. There's a link to her series in the show notes if you want to check it out. And if you're curious about being a patron, there's a link to that in the show notes as well. So I, I do have a confession. I know uh, some of you are hoping to see me at the ACFW uh, Writers Conference, and I had full intention of going. I even purchased a hotel, uh, a non-refundable hotel to be there. And my daughter Mercy got a cold. Uh, it was her first cold. It was, it was hard. You know, if it was a first time parent watching. You know, this baby is like gasping for breath and coughing, and she doesn't know how to blow her nose and um, you know, like we take it for granted that we know how to be sick, right? Like when I get sick, I know what to do, right? I go to bed, I curl up with an audio book and I, you know, huddle and <laughs> huddle for warmth. And I try to do as little as possible. And I drink tons of fluids. Uh, and then we all have our like sick routine, right? Cause we've all gotten colds. We all know what to do, but this little baby never had a cold before and didn't know what to do. And so she's trying to like live her normal life. And like, Play as much as she normally does, except she feels terrible, and she so she'd be like on the floor, like laying down, like kind of writhing and like trying to play, but too tired to like stand up and actually play, and uh, it, it made me feel really bad for her. And so she took lots of naps and we tried to take care of her as best we could. Um, and I, uh, she gave the bug to my wife. So the day that I was supposed to be at ACFW, both my daughter and my pregnant wife were sick and I figured it would be a bad idea to leave them. Also, I wasn't feeling great my own self. I ended up also getting the cold. So um, this was our first uh, family-wide uh, plus children uh, cold in the family. So it was great uh experience i don't know if i learned anything other than that colds are no fun and if any of you invent a cure for one i'm sure you'll be a billionaire um because everyone wants to find that cold Uh, the good news is is that mercy is feeling better we're all feeling better now And Mercy is now walking well enough where she has earned her very own pair of shoes. She's very excited about (laughs) shoes and she'll point to them. I wasn't sure what she'd think about shoes because she'd been walking barefoot up to now or toddling. Walking is perhaps too generous of a term. Uh, But uh, she's really fun to toddle around in her her uh, brand new pair of shoes. So anyway, um, that is the latest from the home front. That's why I missed ACFW. Uh, I'm really glad I didn't buy tickets because I wouldn't have been able to make it. My plan is just to kind of go to the hotel and hang out. Um, but, uh, anyway, that's why I was not there and, uh, hopefully I will be at the next conference. Now, uh, if you have a question that you'd like us to answer on a future episode, do call our listener helpline It's 512-827-8377. Or if you don't like talking on the phone, like me, you can send a recording, a uh, pre-recorded version of your question at novelmarketing.com forward slash contact. You've been listening to Thomas Umstadt Jr. on the Novel Marketing Podcast, giving you innovative ideas on how to promote yourself and your writing offline, online, and on podcasts, and on radio, and everywhere in between. Thanks for listening.